Uh, we're just going to look together in the Word of God. Let's look at Acts number 1, chapter 1. And this will be kind of a thought building, even as we said Sunday night, the basics and the foundation stuff we know, but is beneficial nonetheless. Acts chapter 1. Say man when you found your place. I love it. We had a choir sounded great. All these young ladies up there made it happen. Crowds responding, and it's Wednesday night. Man, we're doing good. I'm not preaching our. <laughs> this thought coming from Acts 1, we'll look at verse number 8. Our Savior speaking before his ascension into heaven. He says, But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let us pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for being so good to us. We give ourselves in this moment a sacrifice to be used of you, and I pray, God, that we would be used and that you would be able to speak through us, Lord, cleanse us of our sin. Lord, clear our minds and our hearts. Purify us as we try to deliver your word. Give us the words to say. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. As we begin the thought of discipleship, building the foundations of what we hope to accomplish in this year, we, in my study, I found... Probably one of the greatest lessons in discipleship is our goal in discipleship is to become like Christ. Amen? It's our goal is to become more like Christ. And this scripture, this text is talking and speaking of being a witness of Christ. And so we know that that's a commission, that's a responsibility, that's a duty that we have is to be witnesses. But we want to be trained witnesses. Amen? I, 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 somebody that I don't like going to car dealerships, but I always ask car salesmen what they know about the car, because I'd like to know that somebody that's trying to sell me a car knows a little bit of something about what they're trying to sell. It's even better when I hear a car salesman say, well, I've drove one of these cars for 20 years. That gives builds me some confidence that, that, uh, that, that they're not trying to sell me a Chevy and they drive a Ford. That's just wrong. <laughs> I want to know that they have knowledge and they have confidence in what they're going to sell me. Now, like I said, I, I despise having to do it. I don't care what kind of vehicle it is. But I'd like to know that they have confidence and they have knowledge on what they're presenting and selling. Why Christians is it that we have the gospel of Jesus Christ to share with the world, yet so many so, know so little about what we're presenting to the world. And it comes back to the question and the thought of it's a lack of biblical discipleship. It's a lack of becoming more like Christ, walking close with him, just a closer walk with thee. That song is a perfect summary of this whole series and this whole thought on discipleship. Is if I want to be effective 
at, at showing and witnessing and, and, and showing someone Jesus in my life, I need to know a little bit of something about Jesus. Amen? I, I don't want somebody to say, well, well, tell me about Jesus. And, and, and it just be crickets. I, I don't want someone to say, well, well tell me about Jesus and how, who he is and, and who he was and what he did and, and, and not be able to present someone with the truth and the goodness and, and, and the, the, the depth of the gospel. I want to be able to effectively communicate. And this commission that's given, that I, I believe obviously was given to the apostles, but is carried down and, and, and we carry this commission today that we be witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the uttermost part of the earth. That's the call to missions. That's the call to evangelism. That's the call to preach and teach the gospel we need to know a little bit about what we're talking about, amen? If we don't, then as we even said Sunday night, I believe, our ideas of God and our ideas of Jesus float to the top rather than the truth of his word coming to the top. I heard a story today and I was going to save it and it was going to be about four weeks down the road, but I just can't, I, I got to tell you, I wrote it down as we were beginning to pray. I heard Alistair Begg tell a story today. He said, a group of boys were about to play a pickup game of football. One boy spoke up asking, where's the ball? Another spoke up, said, forget the ball, let's get the game started. It's hard to play football without a football, amen? And what so many times we do is we forget what? The Word of God. The Word of God's overlooked and it's skipped. Let's just get started. And what happens is emotions and feelings and, and, and personal ideas and self-righteousness, they rise to the top over the word because the word's not presented, the word's not present. And so this word teaches me about Jesus and this word uh, gives me the guidelines of who he is and who he was and what he did and what he didn't do and what he believed and what he taught and what he condemned. And so I'd be safe to say that this word can guide me to be more and more like him. If I want to be an effective witness, what it comes back to is that I need to be becoming more like Christ. I need to be actively working to look more like him and sound more like him and act more like him and think more like him. We'll never achieve perfection. You'll hear me say that every time I preach this series. I would about guarantee you we'll never achieve perfection, but our desire and our goal should be just a closer walk with thee. That each and every day, Lord, I'm seeking to be closer to you. I'm desiring to be closer to you. Why would we not want to understand the person of Christ when we have his person and who he is and what he's done and, and, and who he'll be forever? We have it recorded. You see, the closest I can be to him is when I'm spending time learning about him and who he is. And who he still is and who he was and the things that he said and the things that he did. See, those things, because he's a, he, he never changes. My ideas change. My interpretations change. My thought change. My, my everything changes. But he never changes. So the only way that I'm going to stay consistent in my Christian walk is that if I'm walking as close to him as possible. I'm going to waver and I'm going to fall and I'm going to mess up and I'm going to have a crazy idea here and I'm going to have a crazy idea there and I'm going to say something to somebody and they're going to think, man, he is, he's lost it. Finally, he's lost it. 
But as I walk close back to him, as I, as I seek him again, as I uh, desire to be like him again, as I look to him again, it straightens up the way I think and the way I look at the world. And many Christians can't live and walk and abide in peace and hope and joy of Christ because they don't know anything about him. And it's not always their fault. Their leadership doesn't teach them anything about it. The, the, the home, nobody's teaching them anything about him. Nobody's presenting the word, showing the word, teaching how to study the word, teaching how to learn the word, teaching uh, how to understand uh, Christ and read his story. The most simple, most simple things in the word of God, I believe, the stories of Christ, the life of Christ, even the parables of Christ, the things that baffled these men that were standing right around them, the things that they had not been fully revealed, we have been revealed. What a beautiful thing it is, the simplicity of Christ. His love is not hard to understand. His judgment is not hard to understand. His peace and his hope and his joy and uh, the, the times that he's frustrated and the things that he says and the times he tells people to repent, those things are not hard to understand. It takes us going to look, to learn, to seek him is what it takes. So we're thinking tonight, he, he gives this commission. We agree that our desire is to follow Jesus, to be like him. You will have to deny yourself personal gain along the way. That message I listened to today, the preacher was talking about how the system of Christianity is one. You have systems where you make money to hold on to money or you make money and it's taxed and you give it to somebody, uh, you have to give it to the government. Or you make money and you try to squirrel it away. You make money and you spend money. But Christianity is you work to receive that you can give. It's going to cost us something. Even as Brother Gary shared on Sunday morning, it's going to cost me something to serve the Lord. But that's the way it's set up, that, that the abundance of the goodness of God in my life across any number of subjects, money or, 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 or time or, or effort or, or personality or whatever, that I can share those things with other people. It's going to cost us something. That may mean my desires and the things that give me joy. It may mean that those things have to be pushed to the side. But I assure you that in your walk with Christ, those things will not matter as much the further you go. I preach sports. I talk about that. I've said before, I, I remember praying for the Clemson Tigers to win a national championship. I mean, just on my knees, Lord, let it happen. I look back now, and, and I joke about it, and I laugh about it. And if you pray about sports, that's between you and the Lord. But I look back personally, and in my walk with Christ... I still have a lot of stuff i got to work on. But that one thing I have found to be foolish, because it's sports, doesn't mean anything in the grand scheme of anything. doesn't mean anything. I mean, we've got kids now coming up that don't know who Michael Jordan is. Can you believe that? I mean, it's hard to believe. So time passes and society forgets, right? Society don't know. But those are things we worshipped or we held dear or were as, so clo as close to our heart as our walk with Christ at one point in time. In your discipleship walk, things like that, they will not matter as much. Missing this to go serve the Lord, it ain't going to matter. I have hobbies and things I enjoy, things I love, things I love doing and things I love to partake in and participate in. I'm getting new hobbies and I'm 
I'm enjoying them. I'm, I'm, I'm participating in them. They're great, and I love it, but I've learned that this stuff, it's just something to kill idle time in this life. It's just, it's just junk. It's just things that one day I'm not going to take it with me. Now, it's not, it doesn't mean it's terrible. It doesn't mean that I participate in it, that I'm doing wrong, but it's really just stuff and things, right? So it will cost us something in our discipleship journey to be, if you say, I, I want to be a witness of Christ, I want to serve him, well, I, I want to share Jesus with people. Well, first, as, I, as we've said, it's going to take us learning more about it. It's going to take us seeking him, seeking to be closer to him, seeking to be like him, sound like him, talk like him, walk like him. But it's going to cost us something as well. If I'm going to be like Jesus, there's some things I'm going to have to get rid of. There's some things I'm going to have to cut off. There's some things that I'm going to separate. Because the thing is, what he left and told them to do was he told them to be witnesses. And if to be a witness is my focus while I'm upon this earth. See, I'm just a vessel waiting till the day of my death. I mean, I'm just waiting. And while I'm waiting, I've been told by my father to be busy about his business, to be about his business, to be busy, to, to go, to occupy. And he doesn't, does, when, he, when Jesus says to occupy, it doesn't mean just to be here and, 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 and you know, hold a seat down. He's telling me to be here and to be about his business. And so while I'm here and I'm waiting to make my journey home, I want people to know about Jesus and I want people to go home with me. But it requires me to learn about him, to seek to become like him, and it's going to require me to set something aside, and it's going to cost me something. I used to be the preacher that preached about sports, but I've learned, man, really doesn't matter, does it? The moment you win a championship, the next day they're on to the next season. They're on to the next year. Well, who's going to be the sports center? Well, we're glad so-and-so won. Hey, Michigan just won a national championship. Everybody's forgot. Who's going to win it next year? Who's contending next year? Who's signing here? And who's going there? And who, who's, who's committed to this school? And, and how's this team shaping up? How's this new coach going to change things? We focus. The devil has used things upon this earth to get us focused. And we're so, uh, I've got to say the right word, we're, we're so ignorant about things. That we let everything that passes by in our life, the, as soon as the light from some of these things of the world shines, we're on to the next season. We're on to the next thing. And what, is, what does it do? It distracts us from witnessing. Now, I'm going to be watching national championship football next year. I'm going to be watching the Daytona 500. I'm going to watch the Masters. I'm going to watch it. But I have learned that it's, it's not a religion for me anymore. Now, that's just one thing I got victory over, and I still have to fight that. But they ain't another Michael Jordan, right? What are we going to do in this series and this study? This is all over the place, but I'm just going along as my notes go. We start with that commission of being witnesses. Well, what I, I hope we can achieve is that, well, first, we can identify our spiritual needs. It would not be discipleship if somebody didn't walk away and say, man, I need to work on this. Or I have found something, I need to work on that. I'm taking a class this semester, and 
this discipleship series is the focus of that class. I'm actually, I've got to write reports and I've got to uh, uh, give reports and I've got to give notes and I've got to explain what we're doing week to week and how things are going with my personal discipleship and with preaching discipleship. And then Brother Sam gets to grade me at the end. It's a lot of stress. He's going to be honest. Tell him I'm crazy. But I thought this today, I thought, and I, I put it in my, in my notes for today. We're never too old for discipleship. Never. But we're never too young for discipleship. The moment, I mean, what, what happens? I'm not preaching about Bojangles seasoned fries tonight. But I'm just preaching, I'm just me. The calf drops to the ground, brand new. Mama licks the calf down. And it ain't long, and that calf is looking after some milk. You see, I think we, we're like, we get somebody saved, and we're like, man, ten, give me 10 years. My goodness, 10 years, they're going to be, we're going to teach them so much. That'll be a preacher right there. And we let 10 years go by without ever teaching them anything, without ever spending time with them, trying to show them and teach them. And, and what happens is those kids become teenagers and they get out of their teen years and they, they are walking in this world as a result of not being discipled and not being taught dealing and carrying some sin that they shouldn't have had to carry and we all make our own choices but I think sometimes old people middle aged people we've let down some of the young people because I remember being 18, 19, 20 years old and thinking, man, I, I, I've, I've dealt with alcoholism. I've dealt with fornication. I've dealt with, with, with drug temptation. I've dealt with all these things. I'm a 19-year-old grand, pastor's grandson. It ought not be that way. Discipleship, you're never too young for it. Never. These new calves, we need to get them on the milk. Because there's coming a day they're going to be out in the pasture and there are predators out there. We get them outside the barn. There are predators out there. The fences are down in some places. We need to work on them. We're never too old for discipleship. See, people, people die when they lose their will to live. And losing their will to live is usually a result of them not being able to do anything. My grandfather, when he was not able to do anything on the farm anymore, I remember maybe the last time he came out and he watched us do hay. I had this thought in the back of my mind that this is, a, this is a sad day. He sat in the truck all day and he watched us doing the hay. And he realized that day he wasn't going to ever do it again. And you watch it over a next year, two years, he just started to die. Now it's a natural thing. Pointing wants every man to die. I mean, we're going to die. But, but death by old age is usually a result of not being able to do anything and losing the will to live. You see, sometimes Christians, I, now, I don't know because I ain't been there yet in certain stages or certain things, but what I'm impressed by the Holy Spirit of God that's shared tonight, what I believe uh, by the principles of the words of God is that sometimes we get to a point and we think, well, I don't need anything anymore. Or I can't do like I used to do, so I'm, I'm going to back off. And we lose interest. 
come to church and we don't listen anymore because this doesn't apply to me. We start losing the will. And spiritually, we're just on this decaying time. I mean, we just start to decay. We start to, to die spiritually because, well, I can't do like I used to do. But the sweetest people spiritually I've ever known have been some old people. 90, 95, 100 years old. I mean, you just, I mean, sweet as honey. Spiritually, you just want, I mean, you just, I want to bottle up and take it with me. But those are people that are forever being discipled. Those little old women, the, the little old men of God that, that sit there and they can't preach anymore and they, they, they can't stand behind the pulpit or they can't get down on their knees and pray like they used to. They can't do anything like they used to do. And you sit there and talk to them and the sweetness and the goodness of God is all over them. And if you'll listen to them, you'll hear them say, I am nothing but what I am through Christ. They never lost the will to serve God because they were listening to God. They were willing to admit, I'm 90 years old, but I don't know everything. I'm trying to hit a high number so I don't offend anybody. We can, we're never too old to learn. I said last uh, Sunday night, I, I'm, not, I'm not done with my discipleship, and this was my last point I made today. Is We're never too old, we're never too young, and we're never too educated. Never too educated. I will not achieve a point. I want to go through school. I'm, I'm working hard. I'm trying hard. I'll go through. I want to get my doctorate degree. And I don't want doctor beside my name. I just don't. That just don't feel right. I'm, I'm too uneducated to do that. But I, that's a goal that I have. And if I ever achieve that goal, I will not be too educated for discipleship. There ain't a doctor um, somebody with a master, somebody with a bachelor's. I got an AB Tech degree right now. They ain't nobody too smart for discipleship. We all need it. There's no intelligence that gets you from it. There's no age too young that gets you away from it. There's no age too old that gets you away from it. We're all in need of it. So during this time, we, I, we should identify spiritual needs, each and every one. If you'll let the Holy Ghost deal with you and, and mold you and work with you, you will be able to identify spiritual needs that you have. Maybe you make a commitment during this time. I want to grow. I want to be a witness. I want to serve God. It's going to require you to put aside whatever it is that the devil wants you to think exempts you from discipleship. I'm, I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm, I'm too educated. I'm too smart. I'm too dumb. Like some people think, well, I, I ain't going to know. I ain't never going to know anything. I'm telling you what, the, whole, the best teacher is the Holy Ghost. He will work with you and he will teach you. He will teach the unteachable. And the smart people that's too big for their britches, he'll break them down. The old people that's too hard because they've lived it all and done it all, he'll break them down. The young people that don't understand anything at all and make mistakes at every corner, he will break them down. Identifying spiritual needs. Next, He'll, I, he will, through discipleship, we can identify scriptural calling. That's what's such a beautiful thing about it is that you will find what it is God wants to use you for when you're walking with Jesus. So many people get excited and get fired up and they like the idea. And I, I've, I've used this before. You get to church Sunday morning. I have been a Christian 
with a dusty Bible. So I'm going to preach on being a Christian with a dusty Bible because it's been me. I have gotten to church on Sunday. And the excitement of the preacher and the emotion of the song makes me want to go study my Bible. Ever, anybody ever been there? Man, I get home, I'm like, man, I'm going to do it. We get home and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is playing and I get distracted. That was me for a long time. They weren't even any good. I know where Devin is to say amen to that. I started walking with Jesus on his heels, trying to seek him. I started to realize God had something he wanted to use me for. You say, well, I can't be a preacher. We all got something. We all have a purpose. There's something God will draw you to. Faith come to me recently about being called into the mission field. And, and I, I, I got in the car with Shelby and I said, you know what blesses my heart about that, that young lady talking to me is that you can see the desire. There's a lot of people, oh, I'm called to do this. I mean, you can't feel a bit of nothing on them. But people seeking Jesus, they can identify spiritual callings that actually come from the Lord. And that's an exciting thing. And it doesn't mean you're a preacher. It might mean that you call and you, you donate some money to somebody. It might mean you help somebody in this church that's going through a hard time. It might mean that you, 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 you whatever it is. You serve food. You clean up after something. You, you, you set it every time. I, hey, it's a calling in everything. I went, up, I went to the fellowship hall today. We've got Valentine's Day decorations. Hey, that thing doesn't just grow, up, grow out, of the, out of the table. Somebody does that. The trash doesn't take itself out. Somebody does that. The floor doesn't just vacuum itself. Somebody does that. And that's a calling. And that's important. And that's service. That is as important as anything else. But you can't identify what it is God wants to use you for until you seek Him. The last thing I'll tell you tonight will be dismissed. You identify your spiritual needs in discipleship. You identify scriptural calling in discipleship. But you begin to learn the parts of God's plan and how they work together in discipleship. You start looking at things. I'm, I'm going through a storm right now. I just don't understand it. This past week, I prayed, Lord, what is going on? And I felt bad, and I almost talked myself out of it, Brother Sam. But I thought, you know what? My father is my father. My father is my father. I almost talked myself out of saying, Lord, what is going on? I almost talked myself out of throwing, throwing my, my pride down and saying, Lord, can I rest in you? I, I prayed the other night, Lord, can I, can I lay in your bosom? I'm not gloating on myself, but you men especially know what I'm talking about. It's a hard, it's a hard prayer to pray sometimes because I want to fix everything. I want to have the answers to everything. I don't want to seek, I don't want to seek that. But what I have learned in this walk with Christ, man, I thought this was the last point. I'm gonna get fired up. What I've learned in this walk with Christ is that I identify in my discipleship, I identify my spiritual needs and where I need to work on me. And he shows me what it is he's doing and where he is he's calling me. And what happens is I begin to get to look back and see how his amazing plan comes together. And when I start to see how his amazing plan comes together, that makes me excited. When I'm in a situa situation like now, and I'm like, Lord, I need to lay in your bosom like a baby. I need you to hold me tonight. I need you to protect me tonight. I need you to take the thoughts and get them out of my head tonight. When I start praying them prayers, 
I realize that he's got me through and he's going to get me through again. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you can't appreciate it until you walk with Jesus. You can't. You cannot put anyone up here that can attest to the goodness of God in the storms with any authority unless there are people that have been walking with Jesus. You just can't. Now, I'm stubborn as a mule. Shelby ain't here to say amen. I am stubborn as they come. I guarantee you. I'm hard-headed. I think I'm right about everything. I mean, I got some problems, people. But I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm learning. That when I'm walking with him, he shows me where I'm wrong. He shows me what it is I need to be doing. And he shows me how his amazing plan works every single time. Praise the Lord. He's Gary to get back in here and shout for me. It's amazing, Christian, what we withhold ourselves from when we don't walk with Jesus. It may be next week and I am not able to preach this message. I'll be honest with you. I've had about one good day this week walking with him. The rest of the time has been, what's going on? But you know what? The scripture talking of casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you, he means it. I did not, I'm telling you, I did not want to say, what's going on? But you know what? I'm so thankful I did. Because he took me in. You know what I'd done? I'd have sat in the corner all night in the dark by myself had I not just cast it on him.